Welcome into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. It's a common question asked in many circles these days. Where is the U.S. economy and the supply base headed as we go full force into the first quarter? Is a national recession at hand? If so, when will that take place? And what does the core economic data show in terms of savings as well as spending? There is a regime change at hand showing that capital is harder to acquire and interest rates have risen substantially. Recession probabilities are being calculated based on energy market fluctuations as well as the willingness of consumers to keep spending. In some calculations, that's looking like 65% probability of a recession for the first part of 2023, which indicates a high level of certainty. But some key questions remain. How does that relate to the labor market and the changes occurring there? Is the prediction more mild or will it be more severe than expected? Kevin DePew is Deputy Chief Economist and Industry Eminence Program Leader for RSM US LLP. He works alongside the firm's chief economist to serve as a leading voice of the middle market and U.S. economy and leads RSM's team of 60 industry senior analysts. He's committed to identifying conditions and trends in the U.S. and global economies. He's my guest on this week's episode of Automotive Insiders. Well, Kevin DePew, it's a pleasure to have you on Automotive Insiders. Welcome into the program. Thank you very much for having me. Let's start off with, of course, the subject that everybody wants to talk about right now, which is the U.S. economy. And as we go into 2023, we talk about three different factors, right? We talk about growth, inflation, and geopolitical tensions. Walk me through some of the economic themes that you see emerging right now, Kevin. Sure. So uh, we are in a significant time of transition. And so, you know, over the last 35, 40 years, we've been in a regime of low inflation, uh, widely available capital, uh, and one of increasing globalization throughout most of that period. And what we mean by that is just a lowering of the frictions between the movement of goods, capital, and labor across borders. So now we're in the process of what we're referring to as a re-globalization. So it's not uh, that globalization has ended on the services side. In fact, it's likely to continue to increase. But on the goods side, it's become more important for not just the United States, but other countries around the world to, to start to protect or bring back a little bit more control over supply chains. We've seen how that played out in the pandemic. Uh, now, to be candid, I think a lot of times some of these policy changes are driven by a little bit of rear mirror thinking, rear view mirror thinking, if you will. Uh, so people tend to, on the policymaking side, react to something. And the pandemic and the supply chain difficulties that we all encountered around the world were something that uh, certainly contributed to inflation in the early stages. Um, that said, the two main issues that I see uh, for us to have to deal with are these regime changes, the switch to uh, an, an environment where capital is more difficult to obtain, the bar is much higher, and one of rising interest rates, uh, and uh, structurally higher inflation. When you look at recession probabilities, uh, there there are some who say that we're at least over 50% now in terms of of, of the likelihood of a recessionary um, market taking shape. What, what do you see and what could be the trigger points? Our recession probability model shows 65%, uh, very, very high. Uh, just uh, so that you know, uh, 
under ordinary circumstances, if everything is, is kind of going along according to plan, our model is always going to be at about 15%. And that, that accounts for things that are unforeseen that could happen, whether it's some kind of shock related to energy markets or a tsunami or you know a rebound of, of COVID or something. So 65%, very, very elevated. Historically, the last eight or last seven recessions, uh, this model has has been above 40%, which is 100% of the time led to a recession. So this is in the next six to 12 months. That said, I understand that certainly if, uh, if someone is in uh, residential real estate, if you're in consumer goods that feed into residential real estate, if you're in manufacturing certain areas, it probably feels like a recession right now today. But when you look at what the indicators at the National Bureau of Economic Research, the organization that identifies formal recessions in the United States, their indicators, really, it's only real manufacturing and trade sales that have fully rolled over. Everything else is, it may be stagnant, but certainly not to a level yet where the NBER could say, okay, yes, now we're in recession. You know, going back historically in my lifetime, we've only had seven recessions on a national level. What is more frequent are geographically driven recessions. So certain parts of the country where uh, maybe you have heavy exposure to oil and gas, for example. And if there was a collapse or a decline in energy markets, that would certainly affect those regions. Similarly, in Northern California, where you have a high exposure to uh, technology companies, many of which have uh, laid off some employees or have under hiring freezes, probably feels a little bit like a recession there. Uh, but Typically, you would have in industries or geographies that, that experience recession. So um, I don't want to say that the economy is great. That's not true. Um, I will say that it has slowed down markedly. Uh, and so the likelihood is, is increasing that we will possibly face a national recession sometime in the next uh, six months or so, probably after the midpoint of this year. And it's interesting to me when I looked at some of the core economic data that uh, you shared with me. There's about $1.4 trillion in excess savings versus pre-pandemic levels, but that's down from more than $2 trillion just last July, right? That's right. And so, I, you know, here this is the, the truth that's, that's very challenging because, you know, in, in most of our, our, you know, media, you get like 90 seconds or three minutes to explain this, uh, that $1.4 trillion is uh, still a significant amount of firepower that consumers have. So it's not a question of the ability of consumers to continue to purchase things. It's more a question of, of their desire to. And certainly if you start to read the headlines, if you see your neighbors experiencing maybe uh, modest uh, um, uh, job losses related to particularly high tech, or if they're exposed to real estate, then you, that probably causes households uh, to say, you know, wait a minute, maybe we need to put off some of the things. The other reality, too, is on especially the core goods side, uh, we had a significant movement uh, or a significant pull forward of all of those purchases during that time we were locked down, all of those things that contributed to, the, to those supply chain difficulties. So it's not a question of can the consumer do it? It's a question of, of how willing are they able to do it? And I think that once we start to get through what is likely to be a fairly mild recession, and get some visibility through that, that you'll start to see what could be both a capital expenditures boom, as well as uh, an increase in consumption on the household level. But they need that visibility to be able to do that. Kevin, so much talk over the course of the last year or two about the labor market. 
What's the labor market outlook right now? Uh, I know there's a demographic transition at work. You've you've outlined wages in the past. Where are we as it relates to labor? Well, it's an extraordinarily tight labor market. Uh, just about anybody who wants a job uh, can find one. Uh, unemployment level is is currently at three point five percent. Our forecast is that is for that to increase to four point six percent by the end of this year, and that would be consistent with the Fed maintaining uh, their current level, possibly maybe another 25 basis points of, of increases could be as high as 50, depending on how the inflation data comes uh, comes in. But uh, for the policy uh, uh, rate to remain where it is, that would translate to about a 4.6% uh, in unemployment rate, still historically very, very low. And the reality is that we face significant demographic transitions. We have uh, approximately three and a half million more baby boomers retiring as a result, probably uh, related to COVID as well, uh, and probably related to uh, some of the childcare responsibilities that they may have assumed for children who uh, have kids of their own and are in the workforce. So uh, we don't have enough people in the United States for the jobs that are available, period. And that's not going to change with a recession. Um, that is a long-term reality that we must face. And so it's likely that both sides, uh, Democrats and Republicans, will be talking uh, about significant immigration reform, legal immigration reform, uh, as we get closer to the presidential election. It's amazing to me. It almost seems like a bit of an oxymoron, recessionary headwinds, yet you can get a job anywhere you like. Well, th- here's the challenge. You know, Our most recent experiences with the, the two most recent recessions the first one was the the very unpredictable uh, path of, of COVID-19 and what you would call a very narrow recession because it didn't really last that long. Uh, we saw direct income support uh, for many uh, throughout that period. Prior to that, you have another once in a lifetime event with a great recession, a, cr- a financial crisis that was the, the most serious and the longest and the worst since the Great Depression. So. Our recency uh, bias will tell us that, okay, well, if you talk about recession, that makes me very, very nervous. And it's not, it's, look, at, I mean, every recession has its own challenges and difficulties. So it's not like, uh, uh, okay, well, it's going to be an okay recession. It'll be fine. Everything will be okay. If you're experiencing it, if you experience job loss, it's not going to be okay. And it's not going to feel okay. If you're in a business, uh, you're still worried about the insufficient demand that you experience in that long recovery uh, from the Great Recession. So, uh, what we're talking about is a recession that is much more similar to either the one in the early 2000s uh, or in the early 90s. Uh, now, both of those were still problematic for many businesses. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Every recession has its own uh, challenges again, but uh, it's not going to be anything on par with uh, our most two recent experiences with recession. And so that's a real challenging thing to kind of, that speaks to that oxymoron that you identified, right? Well, we have tight labor market and yet uh, growth is slowing. Uh, but that tight labor market has been uh, persistent and it's something that developed uh, in around 2015, 2016, when some of the economic recovery and job, uh, the job recoveries that we saw after the Great Recession began to really unfold. So, I, you know, again, I don't want to say that it's it, that all recessions have their own challenges and are bad, but this is in no way, shape or form a systemic or a crisis-like uh, recession that we've experienced in the most two recent ones. So final thought, as as we look at 23, where are we on the uh, inflationary scale and what do you expect for the back half of this year? 
So we're already in the disinflationary uh, uh, goods uh, pricing environment that, you know, it, in fairness to uh, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, when he talked about inflation being transitory, uh, he was talking mostly about the good side. And we certainly see that there is disinflation happening. We have a third straight month of improvement in top line inflation data. Um, so it is improving. What is problematic for the Fed is that to get back to their 2% core inflation target uh, from a very elevated uh, rate, it's going to take time. And especially because we're not going to see any real data relief in terms of real estate and that impact on uh, services inflation until we get closer to the, about the middle point of the year. So the data is still going to look uh, a little bit problematic. It's not going to fall as quickly as what everyone would hope, but it is going to moderate. Our view is that it probably moderates on the core inflation side to somewhere between three and 4%. And in the near term, I think that will be an acceptable level of inflation for the Fed, uh, not necessitating more rate increases uh, until we start to get some clarity around how durable is the services inflation that we're experiencing. Uh, how durable is that going to be? How persistent and sticky? Wonderful. Kevin, it is great to have your analysis of where we go in 23 with the economy and beyond. I really appreciate you being on Automotive Insiders. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thanks again to my guest, Kevin DePew, Deputy Chief Economist and Industry Eminence Program Leader for RSM US LLP. And thanks again for listening to the program. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time. 